0: Good morning, if you have your Bible app or, the Bi- or your Bible, go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians the 5th chapter. Eleven months ago today, my life forever changed in, in a, just a fantastic way. It's been an incredible adventure. But eleven months ago today, uh, my wife gave birth to our little son, Ethan and um that's just i mean it's radically altered my life and it's been a fantastic uh, t- i just love that kid so much and uh he's he's a lot like me he he looks a lot like me and people always tell him you're so cute which i love to hear cuz he looks like me and so i'm like oh no keep going uh just just and but they tell me somewhere it, it went away um but but he's, he's he responds a lot like i do as well and He's very vocal, and he lets you know when he wants something. And so I hear all the time, oh, like father, like son. And that never bothered me until a couple incidences happened this summer, the first of which was in July. It was the night before we were heading to the beach, and we all, Brooke, Ethan, and myself, stopped at the mall. And Brooks said, oh, I just need to be in here for 10 minutes to grab something. Now, anytime Brooks at a store and she says 10 minutes, I just multiply it by 5 and get around what the accurate time will be that will actually be in there. And so after about 20 minutes in the store and Ethan in the stroller becoming more and more restless, I decided we were going to go take a walk. And so we walked around the mall and, and we found the sporting goods store. And so we stopped into the sporting goods store, and he was in his stroller, and I was just wheeling him through all the different aisles of the sporting goods store. If I had to be in the mall, I was going to make the best out of it I possibly could. I don't like the mall, but at least the sporting goods store, that'll be all right. And so we're looking at all the different jerseys and all the different paraphernalia that they have, and we're making our way through every aisle of that store, just waiting for mommy to come if she'll ever get out of the store that she was in. Well, after about 20 more minutes of being in the sporting goods store, I was bored. And so I decided, all right, we're just going to go find mom, and we're going to pinch you, and then you're going to start to cry, and then we'll leave. And so I started, I started to wheel the stroller out of the store when all of a sudden I heard something hit the ground. And then in front of his stroller, I saw this little baseball rolling. And I started looking around like, am I on a hidden camera show? what is going on? Because we didn't purchase anything in the sporting goods store. And Ethan did not own this baseball when we walked into the sporting goods store. And so I pick up the ball and I'm looking around like, what is going on? And then I'm like, huh, my son stole his first thing. That is Fantastic. At the ripe old age of eight months, we have a kleptomaniac. Fantastic. So I picked up the ball, and I wheeled the stroller right around, and I'm like, Daddy's going to teach you. It's not okay to steal. And he's just looking at me like, I don't understand anything you're saying right now. Can we just go, please? So I go back into the sporting goods store, and I, and I, I explain the situation to the man at the counter, and he says... I don't even know where he could have gotten that. Here, my son somehow opened up a package that they have, a Philadelphia Phillies bat and ball, took the ball out of the package, all without me ever knowing it, and carried it out of the store. We have taught Ethan to behave better than that. We have taught him it is never, ever, 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 ever okay to cheer for a Philadelphia sports, fan, sports team, <laughs> let alone the Phillies. And so I was aghast, and the man said, just keep the baseball. And this went this against all the principle I had, because I hate the Phillies. Yet I decided, all right, so this is Ethan's very first baseball. Thinking, certainly, he got this from his mother's side of the family. I decided, all right, that was just, coast is clear, we're going on vacation, he'll be away from them for a week, we'll be able to restore righteousness in our son. A month later, we go to Red Robin with the Hendersons, and the Hendersons are sitting on one side of the table, Dave Henderson is, a, is across from me, and uh, Ethan's sitting at the head of the table. And our waitress was dealing with the table behind ours, and all of a sudden, I'm taking a drink of my drink, and I look over, and Ethan has one of her aprons, apron strings in his hand, while she is bending over, taking the order of the table. And it's like I see all of this at one time as I'm swallowing my Coke. And I just see the other hand going in. And I can't yell no because I'm going to spit Coke across the table. And Ethan's taking that other hand and he's going for the other apron, apron string. But he's only nine months old. And his aim isn't that good. And so he reaches and he doesn't get the apron string. He gets her butt. And she jumps. And I'm just trying to figure out what all this, what all's is happening. And Dave Henderson, by the way, he's, he's going to be a, a deacon here at the church. The jerk that he is points across the table like it's me grabbing her butt. And so she's like looking like this. And again, I don't grab random people's butts. I don't grab familiar people's butts. I don't know. I don't know where my son picked this up. But everybody tells you your kids are going to imitate you like father, like son. And I'm like, that's not like father, like son. That's, that's not me. I, I, I didn't do this. And the world, is, the world is full of imitations. We see it all the time as, as kids imitate their parents. The world's full of bad imitations. Have you ever seen an Elvis impersonator? I mean, have you ever noticed they're always like the the mid to late seventies Elvis they're intimidating? Always the fat, out of shape old guy. That's that's always who the Elvis Im- imitators are doing. You ever walk down a street in New York City? You can get yourself a nice ten dollar handbag or a twenty dollar Rolex? So we understand there's there's bad imitations. There's there's bad imitations all, all over the place. And and there's also good imitations i have a friend and he like a lot of us unfortunately is a cleveland browns fan and so he's trying to teach his son the the righteous ways that he ought to go and, and to become a to become a cleveland fan as well so my friend chris got his son nolan a browns jersey his his son's 3 and he, he wanted uh, he wanted to teach him that this is who you need to cheer for uh, Unfortunately, he got him a uh, a, a Trent Richardson jersey, (laughs) and it arrived Wednesday uh, before the Baltimore game, I I believe, or or maybe the week before, and so he could have utilized this for a grand total of 10 days before Trent Richardson Became an Indianapolis Colt. But uh, that's beside the point. He's trying to teach his son to to become a Cleveland Browns fan. And so he got him this Cleveland Browns jersey. And this thing looks incredible. I mean, it even has the AL on the sleeve where where the Browns had the Al Learner on the sleeve. I mean, this thing looks legit. But it's from China. It's not NFL sanctioned, but it's got the shield. But this, this is a great imitation. This is a great imitation of the real thing. I I have a phone case that I got. it's, It's not an Apple phone case, but you would never know. I mean, it's a tenth of the price. And I might find out one day if I or Ethan drop my phone. But so far, so good. It looks legit. See, our world's full of imitations. Sometimes we have a bit of a negative connotation when we hear that. But there are examples of good imitations in the world. And this morning, as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, what we're, going to be, what we're going to see as disciples, our primary responsibility is to imitate Christ. As Christians, our primary responsibility is to model Jesus. Now, for the past couple weeks, Steve has, has walked us through and we've, we've looked at the importance of us going and, and making disciples and, and how, we, how that begins with us. With us turning from ourselves and finding a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what I just want you to know is Steve has set the foundation. And if that's not, if that's not true in your life, then I still want you to listen today. But what I want you to understand is that none of what we talk about and convey today can really be understood by you because you don't have the foundation in place. And so we're building off that which which Steve has walked us through the past couple weeks. And that foundation is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, building off of that, we have been called to be his disciples. Jesus said, go, be my disciples. But what does that mean? And that's what we're going to talk about and look at today. So, if you have your Bible apps or your Bibles, join me in Ephesians chapter 5 as we walk through verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice. To God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice. To God. Imitate God. Imitate. God. I don't know if you've ever seen the comedian Frank Caliendo. He does a lot of imitations. He was a little more popular a couple years ago than he is now, but he's still around ESPN doing a lot of sports things. He's the guy that does the John Madden. He did a George W. Bush when he was president. He does all these imitations. I heard him on an interview, and he indicated on that interview he will spend anywhere from 20 to 40 hours just studying the subject of who he's hoping to imitate think about that he spends 20 to 40 hours just breaking down the way they say something the way their facial the, the way their face responds and he just studies that he studies phrases over and over and over again why because he understands this basic truth that we all need to understand in terms of us imitating God and that's this if we are going to be imitators of God we have to get in tune with With the heart of God. We have to really understand the subject of that which we're imitating. And in our instance, in our circumstance, we have been called to be imitators of God. So what we must do is we've got to really get to know the heart of God. Say, how do I do that? How do I get to know the heart of God? Mark chapter one, we're not going to go there, but just write it down. We're going to talk about it in our community groups this week and By the way, if you're not part of a community group, you are missing out. I am telling you it's it's one of the highlights of my week. I look forward to it. Um, Maybe it's because Kelly Hansen makes incredible snacks. I'm not sure. But we have a great discussion as well. And so if you're not part of a community group, you are missing out on on the full experience of of being part of the church. And so I just want to encourage you. I know you've missed a couple weeks. It's not too late. Don't hesitate. Sign up. Become part of a broader community where we're just really interacting in people's lives. And if you're not part of one of these, ask somebody who has been, and I, I guarantee you they'll, they'll tell you the same thing. You need to be part of one of our community groups, and you can go online to missionviewchurch.org slash community groups and find out a bunch more information or just come talk to me in the comments. But at, we really desire that every single person be plugged into a community group because we really sense that that is the heart of us being the church. All that to say, we're going to talk, you're going to talk about this more in, in your community groups. But if you were to turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39, what you're going to see is Jesus is, is in, I mean, Mark just launches it. Jesus is ministering to people. And what does Jesus do? He wakes up one morning while it's still dark very early, and he goes off by himself, and he spends time with his father. See, if we're going to be imitators of God, we, got to get to, we have to get to know the heart of God. And how we can know the heart of God is by knowing this book. It's by knowing His Word. This is God's revelation of Himself to us. This book is the very heart of God. And so church, we cannot be really imitating God if we're not invested in His Word. We cannot be imitating God if we're not spending time talking to God in prayer. This is is the very foundation of of getting to know someone. It's getting to know their heart. And so I want to challenge you. If you're here this morning and you're like, I, I just, I don't, I don't really understand. I don't know the heart of God. I, I, I know I should imitate God, but I don't know where to start. And I don't know how. Did I challenge you? Put on your schedule this week, even if it's just five minutes. And just make it a point of practice every single day to invest, even if it's just five minutes. In the Word of God, like I don't know where to start. Start in the Book of Mark, or start in the Book of James. Commit that once a day, just once a day. If if you're at the if you're at the point where you're like God, I, I don't know how to imitate you. God, I, I, I want to know your heart, but I don't know how. If you're at that point, commit to just once a day, just once a day talking to God, just in prayer. And here's the deal. We Sometimes we make this so difficult. We make it so much more complicated and complex than it needs to be. We feel like there's a, a special, like we have to go all King James when we pray to God, right? We just feel that way. What did Jesus do when he, when he taught his disciples how to pray? He said, Dad, you're in heaven. Praise you. Let that which you want to be done be accomplished in this world. Give us food. Help me forgive people, and thanks for forgiving me. Now, Jesus wasn't saying he needed forgiveness, he was teaching his disciples that. So if you're at the point where you're like, I, I just don't know what to do, I'm just going to challenge you. Make it simple. God's not impressed with the number of syllables our words are when we cry out to him. He wants your heart. And, and for some, that's just so so difficult and so foreign, and I understand that. And I, I understand how prayer can just seem funky. I'm just going to challenge you just once a day. Go, go, back to, go back to when you were dating somebody. You ever have just a really, really, really awkward first date? I had a lot of them. If you would ask the girls, it was my fault. I disagree. But that's just part of that, when you're feeling somebody out for the first time, when you don't really, when you don't really know them, there's, there's an awkwardness there. And, and listen, my wife and I today better have deeper and more meaningful conversations today than we did when we went out on our first date. Otherwise, something's wrong in the relationship. Why? Because the relationship has progressed. And so what I want to challenge you to do, if you feel far from God, then don't try to jump into a prayer relationship with God that you've seen modeled by somebody who has a 20-year growing relationship with God. Just be yourself. Just start with what you know. But just start. promise you, if you hang in there, sometimes it will be more difficult than others, just as talking to my wife, sometimes is an absolute joy, and sometimes she wants to talk to me in the middle of the fourth quarter when I've invested two and a half hours in the game already, and the team is marching down the field, and I'm like, oh yeah, let's talk, and I'm giving her one word answers, but situations in our lives creep up like that. And it's not like God's in my situation where he's like, yeah, 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 I'd just rather watch the game. But sometimes we are. But what I'm asking you and challenging you to do is just keep going. You want to be an imitator of God? Start right there with the picture we see in Mark chapter 1. And get in tune with the heart of God. As beloved children, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, I'm reminded with my son, who's now 11 months old, and he's starting to make sounds, and he's starting to point at things. He's watching everything I do. Everything I do. And so things that I don't really think are a big deal, like if I get mad, I'm like, crap. All of a sudden, he's like. And so I've got to ask myself, do I want a one-year-old running around saying crap all the time? Probably not. Probably not. Children watch everything that their parents do. We are God's children. So let me just ask you something. Have you just taken time to watch God work? Our lives are so busy. There are so many demands on our time. There are so many commitments that we make. And are made for us. Have you taken time just to stop and watch God work? Be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So it begins with us getting to know the heart of God. It continues with us just building in time to to reflect and to dwell on who God is and what he's done. And now the action part for us. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Philippians chapter 2, again we're not going to turn there today, but we're going to talk about it in our groups There's a great section of scripture about humility. And we oftentimes think of that which Jesus accomplished on our behalf. When he went and was arrested, beaten, tried, charged, found guilty for crimes he didn't commit, and crucified because of my sin and your sin. And we think about that often. I mean, just last week, we had a time of of communion. And the, the entire point of communion is for us to just call a time out. And for us to just really think of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ committed on our behalf. He laid down His life. He took our sin upon Himself. We think about that often. What we don't think about as frequently is the sacrifice that Jesus committed long before the crucifixion. What we don't think about is the fact that here is Christ, eternal God, unites divinity with humanity and dwells this world. See, the sacrifice for Jesus started long before he was crucified. And this is the picture of love. That Jesus would sacrifice the comfort of heaven to walk this earth. That his message would be love and grace to the unlovable, to those who deserved wrath. The very one who should be served came to be a servant. This is the picture of Jesus. And if we're going to imitate God, this must be the picture for us. And so let me ask you a question What are you self sacrificing? How are you uncomfortable? I look, at, I look at churches, and, and I don't want to come off like we're this perfect church. I mean, we're, what, three, four weeks old? I mean, we're going to have problems. We have problems. We're never going to be a perfect church. We want to strive to be a perfect church. But just sometimes when I'm out driving, I just look at places that at one time were such a magnet for hope in the community. And whose pews are now empty. What happens? Sometimes there's sin in leadership. I'd guess more often than that, however, what happens is this. The church gets its funding from a group of people. Who like things to be done in a certain way. Who like a certain pastor. Who like a certain place to sit. Or a certain song to be sung. Or a certain style of music. Who like to have Sunday school. Or small group. Or the list goes on and on and on. And rather than constantly reevaluate, how can we best reach people who are far from God? How can we go outside of our comfort zone to reach those who are younger and immature in their faith? And in the name of Jesus just say, thank you God for utilizing me, rather than that happen, what happens is that we allow personal preference to trump everything else. And so if we don't like the style of music, we threaten to leave. Or if we don't like the shift from Sunday school to small groups, we decide, well we're going to another ministry that does it a little differently. And we allow personal preference to take the place of ministry. In mission view, what we must always be on guard of is this. We must always be willing to sacrifice our personal preferences for the cause of the mission. We must always be willing to lay aside that which we prefer. For that which God could use to accomplish his glory. Let us never be a place that is full of empty seats. But holding on. Just something that's comfortable. So I'm just going to ask you this morning. Are you willing to sacrifice? And I, I hear you. Because it always seems It always seems like we're asking older people to sacrifice. Let me tell you why that is. Because we're hoping by that point in the game that you're more mature. It's not some plot against Old people, the elderly, those who've been around the church for a long time. It's not that we don't value you. It's not that we don't care what you like. It's that by God's grace we hope that you've matured to a point that you'll permit some things to happen that more immature people wouldn't permit to happen. So in matters of preference especially for those who are mature I'm asking you be part of Mission View. Be willing to sacrifice. And one day let us point to you when it's our turn to sacrifice. And let us follow your model as godly people who got it. And just know this, that any sacrifice we do, it pales in comparison to the sacrifice of Christ. The sacrifice of Jesus reveals the heart of Jesus. And the heart of Jesus is for people who are far from him to be redeemed. So this is imitators of God. This must be our mission. I got to thinking about this. A couple years ago, my father and I made a trip out to San Diego. Where I was going to be doing an internship in a church. And so, when we were going out to San Diego, we didn't have a GPS, so we had to rely on old maps to to help us understand where we needed to go. And so San Diego over here, this is where we want to get to, that's San Diego. Now this is where we're from right here, Akron, North Canton, Ohio, and so we need to go from Akron, North Canton, Ohio all the way out to San Diego. Now, my father and I, understanding that this trip would take a number of days, we split it up. And so from the first night, we drove from we drove from Akron and we went through and went over through Indianapolis and we stopped right over here right outside of St. Louis. And then the next day, because we wanted to, we wanted to hit up something over in Arizona, we, we went through Missouri and down through Oklahoma and through the, the tip of Texas, and then we stopped, we stopped in New Mexico. And then the next day, we drove from New Mexico over to Phoenix, stayed that night, and then we went from Phoenix to San Diego. Every step of the way, we were making progress. It was a long trip. But we were on the road, and we could understand what we were doing. Every mile we drove was knocking a mile off the trip. Every mile we went was one less we would have to travel. Now, I love San Diego, so I would love to take my family out there. But there is not a chance I am driving to San Diego with Brooke and Ethan, because what I would hear in about a year is every five minutes, are we there yet? 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 No! Are we there yet? We haven't hit Columbus yet! Stop! Are we there yet? There yet? I got to thinking. That's how a lot of us, at least that's how I viewed any time I would share what Christ has done for me with somebody else. If I'd share the the grace story of what God's done in my life, and and they didn't right there decide to receive Jesus, I feel like well, that didn't really matter. And what I didn't see was I didn't see that coming to faith in Christ, me sharing what God has done in my life, is like a cross country journey. And so often our goal is San Diego. But as Christ followers, sometimes what our goal needs to be is just getting in the car. Sometimes our goal just needs to be, let me tell you what God has done in my life. Not viewing people as projects, but viewing people as people and understanding that this is a journey. And if I can move you closer to the goal than when we started, I didn't fail. I succeeded. And so don't share your faith once and say, ah, well, I'm no Billy Graham. Not Bill Heibels or Andy Staley, they didn't come to know Jesus, so I'm done. Shut up! You moved them from North Canton to Columbus. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't stop. Take them from Columbus to Indianapolis. Keep moving. Don't you stop. Don't throw in the towel. Don't think your work is done. Don't view people as a project. View them as a person and constantly imitate that which God displayed for us that we love and we value people and we see where they are in their lives and we're constantly wanting them to move closer and closer to Jesus because we understand that a relationship with Jesus Christ is the reason and the fulfillment of this life. It is what this life has to offer. And so church, if we are going to imitate God, what we must do is we must be people who are passionate about telling our grace stories. We must be people who are passionate about moving people in their journey one step closer to Jesus, just one step closer, just one step closer because it's not your responsibility to get them to San Diego that's on God all you're responsible for is one more step one more mile one more conversation Church, if we're going to imitate God, if we're going to be His disciples, we need to know the heart of God. We need to just take time out and watch God work. We need to love one another. We need to be willing to sacrifice. And we need to have a heart for people around us. Not as projects. But as people. And we just need to move. them One step closer. So I'm going to pray. Mitch and the band are going to come sing a song. And what I want for you to do. think who you need to take one step closer. Not because they're a project to you, but because they're a person who God loves, and so we're supposed to love. And what I want you to do is make a plan to just spend time with them this week. And in the course of that, just love them as God loved them, and maybe move them one step closer. God, I pray that we would imitate you. I pray that we would know your heart. God, I pray especially for those who this is new to. They don't even know where to start. And God, I just pray that no matter how awkward it feels, this week they'd start in Mark or James and they'd just commit at least once a day just just calling on you, just talking to you. God, for those who've been on this journey for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, I pray, God, that just search themselves. Be willing to lay aside their preferences. God, I pray that you would encourage them and let them know they are still loved and valued. God, I pray that we all this week will have an encounter with somebody we can move just one step closer. Just one step closer to you. In Jesus' name, pray. So the challenge is is for us, as Christ's disciples, to imitate Jesus. Let that be our prayer and our passion this week. Thanks so much. God bless you. We'll see you out in the